Greetings one and all wherever you are in the universe and welcome to the latest episode of an espresso shot of confidence. The podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges taboos and unhelpful narratives and empowers you to be awesome loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink and get settled in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths. We live in a world in flux. The pandemic changes to our society, the way we interact, and all of this has had a profound impact on our relationships with other people and with ourselves. For many years, the narrative that happiness could be found in material objects has been pervasive. Yet when the world came to a standstill in 2020, that caused a huge period of self-reflection as we slowed down and started looking inwards. So who better to talk to about this than Nathan Hill, the founder of Tilted Bench and LinkedIn Conversation Starter. He regularly provides food for thought on subjects ranging from coaching, relationships, and personal development. Awesome to have you, Nathan. Can you tell well, us it, a little bit about yourself? It is awesome to be here. Um, yeah, I my background um, professionally is in religious study. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, both in religion. I love studying Bible and theology. The part of all of that that I liked the most was the pastoral care and counseling type stuff. I really liked spiritual direction. Um, after I got my degrees, I spent a long time in the hospitality industry, which is not where I am now. I was a carpenter for a little while too. So I've done a lot of weird stuff. Um, but my journey now has brought me back more to this idea of counseling, this idea of spiritual direction, working with people and talking to people about their lives and the inner workings of that and how we live well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm an ex, uh, hospitality alumni as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been down that path. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, well. it's a different kind of thing to be talking about to people about their internal life versus just, you know, making sure that their, their steak is hot and their, their beer is cold. <laughs> yeah. Different level of conversation, right? Different right. Level right. Of conversation. Right. I hear you. So as, as I mentioned in the intro, there's been a lot of changes in the world in recent years. This has led to many people going inwards to reflecting, to looking at themselves. So, and this has been quite a shock for some people because as I mentioned earlier on in the intro, I think there's always been this idea or this narrative that you had to look outwards, that you would find happiness, peace, whatever it is you're looking for outside. So in your opinion, what are some of the benefits that can happen by, by going inwards, by going on that internal journey? Well, I think it's an interesting place that we find ourselves kind of culturally, because I mean, like you said, we do have this really outward focus. And I think a lot of that comes from the kind of culture of the market, the culture of wanting to sell things, wanting to get people interested in things with social media. Right now we have the attention economy. We're constantly vying to get people to look outward. We want people to look at the places where we are offering goods and services. We, we need this kind of attention to drive things and that's all okay, but it does have us looking away from the inside. One of my favorite things to remember is the maxim over the old Greek oracle to Apollo at Delphi, um, know thyself, uh, 
it's important to know who you are. And you can't do that if you're spending all of your time looking at all of these external stimuli. The things that are outside can help you, right? Like they can mm -hmm. get you looking inside to, to bring some knowledge back to that, but you have to really stop and take the time to look inside. Yeah, absolutely. I think that looking inside, that I am in itself, the fact that that in itself is a sentence. Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. And, and and when I hear people saying I am a lot, they'll usually be, well, I am, and then insert negative adjective to right. describe yourself right. um, or a title or a job title. I am this, I am a coach, I am a teacher, I am this. And I feel like a lot of identity gets wrapped up in those titles, in those, those names. It does. It does. Yes. And, and a lot of that comes from, from the comparison game, right? I mean, this is one of the things that we struggle with when we talk about confidence. Your confidence can really get broken down when you're spending time comparing yourself to other people, comparing yourself to what they are and what they yeah. do, because you are something different from what they are. And the yeah. things that you do are different from what they do. I mean, even if you're in the same kind of role, there's something unique about yourself. And if you spend all your time focusing on them rather than you, you're going to get lost. Yeah. Oh, so very true. I, I've just literally put out a video today uh, on TikTok and YouTube about just that. The fact that you have something that is different a unique perspective and you unique idea and you unique thoughts, ideas, expertise, call it what you will. And when you focus externally all the time on like what other people are doing and what other people in your niche are doing on what the successful influencers on social media are doing, I think you, you, you in that sense, you, you really lose a, a sense of who you are when you do that because you're not honoring who you are what's your thoughts on that i think you're absolutely right there i mean you there's an important thing here about patience and about curiosity right like you it's it's good to be curious about where other people are at and what they're doing um but you need to be curious about yourself first um and you need to be patient with yourself. You know, we have a very fast paced thing, especially with social media. You look at influencers, things are moving a mile a minute. There are so many voices out there yeah. that it's hard to slow down and listen intentionally to any one of them. And that can keep us distracted so that we're not slowing down to listen to ourselves. You yeah. have to be patient. Like you have to slow down and you have to take the time. This is the thing about the know thyself. You can't do that in one minute. You don't do it very quickly and then have it figured out and move on. And part of that yeah. is because you're always changing, you know, even being in interactions with influencers and reading what they're saying and listening to what they're talking about, that's going to have an effect on you. You yeah. have to slow down and pay attention to yourself and how those things are affecting you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to wake up one day and be like, well, who the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> there is that danger, right? And I think <laughs> and it, 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 that's an interesting thought there, that who am I? I? I've been having a few conversations about this recently. How many people truly do know who who they are? Because like we said, with the labels, 
with the following trends, with the attaching their identity to their job roles, to their roles in life, to whatever. And the fact that everybody was, was focusing on so externally on what was going on outside of them and searching for validation or happiness or whatever on outside of them instead of looking inwards. And I think definitely with the, with the pandemic, I, I think there was definitely a shift because people had time on their hands. They were like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, some people just went and bought loads of stuff, went shopping. Um, other people took the time to like, go, wow. I never thought that. I never knew that. I never thought anything about that before. I know I personally did. I, I went very much down the rabbit hole of self-discovery when when this started. So in terms of like looking inwards, for some people, this might seem like really woo. You know, looking inwards, isn't that, don't I need, does that mean I have to kind of sit on a meditation cushion and learn how to levitate? And you I need mean, a good hand you, mirror, you know, that's a really... <laughs> Look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> who, 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 who is in? Who is inside there? Now, so for for you, like, what what does this involve? You know, like, if, if people are, are sitting there and they're being curious, I know that was one of the words you mentioned earlier on. What what does that look like? You know, for you, you know, to look within. Well, there's a there's a kind of subtle irony here that I thought of, and I want to stick a pen in it before we get away from it, because as you were talking there, and you know, I made this joke about the mirror, but it, it made me think about this strange relationship we have with technology now. And we regularly do these things where we hold our phones up in front of us and we're doing selfies, selfie videos, yep. selfie pictures, and you're looking right at yourself that yep. whole time. Well, I mean, you should be looking into the camera, right? Not at the screen. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> But we can do that, but there's this different level of work, which is looking inside, right? And so yeah. the thing about doing that is it's hard, especially if you're not used to it, especially if you've gotten used to focusing on external things, especially if you've gotten used to scrolling a feed and reading kind of these staccato thoughts of other people. Yeah, You have to slow down. You have to take the time. You have to be curious. You have to be patient. It takes time. You need to stop. And often it can work by letting your mind wander, but you need to, you know, keep it focused on you. Don't think about the news, right? Think about your own life. Um, yeah. There are all sorts of things out there in terms of guided med meditations. I'm a big fan of um, inspirational books, self-help books. There's a lot of stuff like that that can help you read them and then try to come up with what that means for you. But the important thing is you read a book like that and you say, oh, this is a book about self-confidence, for example. And I read it and it had some great ideas in it. Well, don't just jump into the next book. Like stop and really think about what that means yeah. for you. How do you relate to the book? Are there things in the book that are specifically true for you or that aren't that you wish they were? Identify those things. And some people are very careful about it and they journal, they write about that stuff. You have to, you know, take the time and you have to be intentional about it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think certainly in the fast paced world that we live in right now, the temptation is to move on to the next thing, isn't it? You know, it's like, yeah. right, I've got to get with the next, you know, with things like trends and all of that, you've got to be on it. You've got to be on it. You've got to be on it. You end up chasing your tail. There's no period like there for self-reflection, for taking a beat and going, 
okay, how does this actually feel to me? You know, what, what do I get from this? What is in it? You know, for me, what can I learn from this? You just don't get that if you're constantly bouncing around to the next thing because your brain is just massively distracted. And I totally agree there with, um, over the last couple of years, I've, I've come across, um, some amazing books that have been game changing for me and to actually read them, let the messages sink in, go, okay, yeah, this, this, this resonates, this doesn't, you know, and it's very subjective. It's very personal. You know, what, what inspires me will be, you may read it and go, what the hell's he on about? You know, it's very <laughs> subject and vice versa. It's very subjective, but I think, by taking that time and actually going, okay, how does this actually fit? What lessons are there to learn here? Does it, is it something I need to learn at this moment? I think it's very powerful. And, and, and like you said, with the journaling, I think that's uh, the huge, huge part of personal growth for me, actually taking the time to write down your thoughts. And I was just reading and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. I've just finished reading a book by Yohan Hari called Stolen Focus. Now, he, he wrote one of the, for me, one of the most amazing eye-opening books on depression um, and mental health issues that are going on around the world right now. So Stolen Focus was all about that, the things that are causing us not to be present in the world right now, the, the things like social media with, that are designed to keep you there to keep your attention and things like that. But one of the, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, the reason I'm talking about that is like he explored that people are not taking the time to actually get information in and reflect upon it and let their mind mull it over. It's like, right, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And that's actually really that that constant switching and attention switching is actually really bad for the for your brain development, your personal development, and your sense of self. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think I think you're right on there. That we, you know, I mentioned patience earlier, and we have this. I'm going to call it a problem, and I think that's a fair way to call it. We're not very patient people, mm -hmm. especially in you know modern industrialized social media culture our attention switches so rapidly from one thing to another that we've lost the ability to just sit still you know so yeah. there's a there's a funny phrase that's a play on another phrase which is don't just do something stand there right? you know, okay normally people say don't just stand there do something but we've listened to that so much that we've gotten to where it's just do 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 all the time but yeah sometimes you don't need to do anything you don't need to find the next book you know you don't need to find the next thing to follow on social media you know you and i both play the linkedin game like there are so many people to keep up with there's so much to mm. do there the posting the commenting all of this how often do we slow down to reflect on the conversations that we've had when you have that patience, when you cultivate that patience to just stop and think about it, you can find a lot of opportunities that otherwise you miss. Yeah, absolutely. So by, by reflecting on that, by learning or exercising this patience muscle, I mean, what, what are some of the, the benefits that, that people can gain from that? 
I think that patience lowers your stress levels. I don't know about studies on that. This is just my own anecdotal evidence. When I notice in times when I can slow myself down and say, let me just take it easy here and try and be patient and see, exercise some curiosity, see what's happening in my life right now. If you want to, you can do this with individual moments, right? There's a situation you're trying to make a decision about. You can slow down and think about that one specific moment, or you can do it on the broad scale where you're just thinking about your life and trying to work out where your life is going, stopping to take some time to think about that. When you try and exercise that muscle, it really breeds a sense of calm. Mm. There's also an important note about confidence here, right? If you are doing this, this is a good thing to do. It builds surety. Um, there's this, this wonderful phrase. Fast is, no, how does it go? Um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Okay. If you go slowly, if you take the time, take the patience to be intentional, to be cautious, to really make sure that you know thyself, yeah. then things are going to go more smoothly because you're going to be more sure of what you're doing. If you're operating out of a place where you've made a snap decision, you didn't take time to think about it. You thought, oh, well, you know, I should go into this field. I should go into this career. I should take that job. I should, I should stop talking yeah. to this person. I should pursue this relationship, not that one. If you're doing all that stuff too quickly, how can you be sure that you've done the things you ought to be doing? If you slow down and you make decisions like that more intentionally with more patience, you can be much more confident in what you're doing because you understand your why and you understand yourself in that moment. And that makes you a lot more confident and it makes you feel safe in what you're doing, which makes you generally more pleasant to be around. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. There's, there's a lot of ripple effects, isn't there, from having there that is. surety? from having yeah. that confidence in, in who you are and what, where you're going and what you stand for. Because I think that's one of the things um, that I notice a lot. Um, there's a lot of conflicts there regarding that. You can see it. You can see it play out every single day. I mean, like just take LinkedIn, for example. You know, you see people that for one week, they're one thing. They've got one headline that says they do this. And then the next week, they've got a new headline, a new banner. They're doing something else. And then they're doing it again the next week <laughs> and the next week and the next week. And, and I think that's a classic example about it's like, well, I wanted results yesterday. You know, what, why didn't I get results? You know, I've been here for five minutes. It's like, well, yeah, it, you know, it takes time and patience to build up to who you know build anything really i think that is one of the things i think in society at the moment it's like this sense of it has to be more and it has to be now i think that can have a really damaging impact on on, on your sense of who you are and, and in your journey and what are your what are your thoughts on that one i think that's true too i i've done a fair bit of my own playing around with my my headline on linkedin you know i've changed it several times but a lot of what I've been trying to do in the past on the platform is experimenting is like, I am mm -hmm. in the process of trying to know myself, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work mm -hmm. when you're doing that. It's okay to move in some different directions. It's okay to play with some different things. 
folks get into a hurry though. And they think that it's not okay for me to be confused. One of my favorite professors in college told a classroom full of us once that confusion is a very fertile time. Yes. And it's one of my favorite things. I have carried that phrase around with me for 20, whatever years, however long it's been. Uh, because it's so important to remember that it's okay to not have, to have everything figured out. You know, you should know thyself. You should figure out who you are, but it's okay to be on the pathway with that. And as you're doing those different things, as you're trying to find out what works for you, don't freak out when it doesn't click within a week. Like that's okay. Yes. You know, learn things from it. As long as you're paying attention, you should still be able to learn and grow through the process. Yeah, totally with you on that. That saying there, that confusion is a fertile place to be. It's a bit an amazing place to learning. It's a fundamental kind of driver and foundational pillar of of NLP, neurolinguistic programming. And and I've seen it play out. It, it's in those moments when I, I call it dancing outside of your comfort zone. When you when you approach this, and it's something you've mentioned a few times during during our call so far. You know, when you're curious enough to dance outside of your comfort zone and you're trialing and you're playing around with stuff and you're like, okay, let's see if this works. And then having the patience to see it through for a time where you will actually get some meaningful kind of feedback from the world other than, okay, well, only two people liked my post, you know, for a week. And one of those was my mom. You know, it's like it was a week. What do you learn in a week? I mean, yes, of course, you're learning things within a week, but if you've got enough data information to say truly that that something isn't working or or is, I think, and and that, I think that's that's the balancing line, isn't it? I, I think that there's some people will just literally flip, you know, st- flip flop straight away, and other people will be like, you know what, I'm going to keep going on this tightrope. It's scaring the hell out of me, but. <laughs> You know, I, I've got a sense of who I am and what I'm doing this for, and I'm just going to give it a go. Knowing that, you know, there's no failure here. I'm just going to get feedback along the way and to take what works, what doesn't work. I think that's an important lesson when you are in that confused state. Yeah, you know, actually, that reminds me of I had one headline that I that I used for a while. Um, it was Tame the Lizard Brain with Story. Yeah. There's this old psychological idea of the lizard brain. Um, and I love stories. And I think it's very important to think about the stories we tell ourselves. A lot of this self-knowledge thing has to do with realizing what the stories are that you're telling yourself about yourself. Yeah. But I put that headline up and I did a, a post where I talked about what my thoughts were on that and why I was using it and what resonated with me about that. And my good friend Nadine got on there and she's very good at, at disagreeing with me and helping me kind of figure out things that are working and aren't working. And she pointed me in the direction of thinking about a few things about that idea that don't work. And I won't delve into all that, um, but I will say that it was important for me to kind of have this tension between, all right, this headline is problematic and it's not perfect. And I may have to change course at the same time. I'm going to keep it up for a while and I'm going to play around with it. And I did mm-hmm. that. I kept it up for maybe two months or so, and then finally yep. abandoned it in, in, in favor of something else. Mm-hmm. But because I took the time to really sit with it, really let it hang around, really feel it out, have some more conversations with people about it. 
when I made the decision to abandon it, I knew exactly why I was doing it. And I knew how to explain that to other people. Nice. I feel that's powerful. That's, that's really powerful that going with that journey, exploring that journey, seeing what was possible. I mean, it'd be very tempting to attach worth to that. You know, it's like, I love this. I love this headline. This and I did love me, it, you know, and, and it was a great headline. It jumped out. I mean, it's like lizard brain. I mean, I, I know what you're talking about with that, but I think for me, it sparked that curiosity. I'm like, okay, well, what's this guy all about? <laughs> sort of thing, which, which I guess is what you want people to do. You want to elicit that reaction with, with, with content, with your headline, with anything you want to do that, especially, you know, now that I've got to know you a bit more with the sort of conversations that you like having. Because that's going to pull in the people that are willing to go on that journey with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that point is actually a good point to add. Something else that I wanted to say about this whole conversation is that it is important to have conversations. You know, it's important to know yourself, but you can only see yourself through your own eyes. You yeah. need other people. You need a community of people around you to help you see yourself in different ways. That's what yeah. happened with me in that headline is that I needed another set of eyes and I ended up getting lots of them. And that was mm -hmm. great. Part of the patience is to listen to those other people and see what they're saying because they can help you see yourself a little more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally with you on that. One of the first things that I do when I start working with clients is I go off and give them some homework. And I said, right, I want you to ask these questions to your clients, past clients, family, friends. I want them to describe you in X amount of words. And I want you to, I want them to say the things they like about working with you that they appreciate about you. And I want them to feed that back and we'll have a little chat about it because I think it's so easy to and, and it's the human condition, isn't it? We, we, you know, coming back to that, I am, you know, at, at times we will have this fixed idea of who we are and what we stand for. And this might be someone else's stories, actually. This might be something we've maybe grown into or we believe to be true, but there's more to it than that. There's much more to it than that. Or maybe we're just lying to ourselves. So I think getting that 360 degree view is so helpful, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I like that you mentioned that we lie to ourselves sometimes. We don't do it on purpose. You know, we're not trying to mm -hmm. hurt ourselves, but we, we can get to a point through various ways that the story we tell ourselves about ourselves is not right. Yep. Something about it has gotten wrong in the telling, but we're still telling it and we don't even realize yep. it anymore. So somebody else can come in and can help us see that. And that's a hard thing to go through sometimes, you know, that is because there are confidence issues at play, right? If someone starts questioning that, you know, you've invested so much into what you think about yourself. Well, what are you going to do when somebody comes in and tells you you're wrong? It's crazy. Yep. You know, it, it feels threatening. It feels scary. Oh, for sure. When you can slow down and look at that as not a threat, but as an opportunity to maybe learn something about yourself that you've missed, right? Then that level of curiosity is really helpful because now you don't have to feel threatened anymore. This isn't a case where yeah. you're under attack. This is a case where you have a chance to grow and you have a chance to 
you don't even have to see it as, oh, I need to open my eyes. You know, I've been blind. I mean, maybe you have been, but you don't have to think about it that way. You can think about it as I need a crisper, clearer view. And this is the way to get that. Yeah, I love that. Seeing an opportunity as opposed to a threat. I mean, I I can share like a story about something that uh, that really fits in with what you were just saying. It was recently suggested to me that I might be neurodivergent. And my initial reaction to that was what the, what anger, right. like, because it questioned my identity of what I felt of myself. And then, so off I went, I went and I sulked about it for a couple of days and then I had to think about it and I sat around with it and then I thought, okay, so, so what if I am, what's possible here? What are the opportunities? And then I was in a much better place to go and start exploring this to see if it is or if it's not, whatever. But by asking that question, what is possible here? And I think this is a really probably one of the most empowering questions that you can ask yourself in any situation, really, be that in business, be that in life, be that when you come to a fork in the road, asking yourself, like, what is possible here? What what are the opportunities here instead of? You know, all of a sudden going, oh, my God, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I'm just going to get, you know, <laughs> sort of disappear, you know. I mean, where you at with that? You can you can have that feeling, right? Like everybody's human. Like you're allowed mm. to have that moment of fear and, that, and, and feeling threatened. And that's a very natural thing. You, know, you can, I love the word sulk that you use, right? Like I do that too. Oh, right? I somebody, did. Somebody <laughs> says something and I don't like it. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go take a nap and be mad. <laughs> <laughs> but you you know feel that for a minute and then keep going right? don't stop there and live there like don't build your house there keep on going down the road because these are the beginnings you know and it, yeah it can be personal it can be professional this can have to do with the way you're running your business the way you're behaving as a boss or an employee it can have to do with your personal relationships it, it's it's everywhere to take this moment and be open to figuring out what's next and where you're at, what you're doing and what you might need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's all part of the journey, isn't it? You know, I, I know on, um, I think it was on your website, you described like this personal development as an incredible journey. And it is, right? It, it, it is, you know, when you choose to embrace it and it, it's so full of stories. So, I mean, how can going on this journey help you personally and and then have this ripple effect on the world around you oh yeah i i think this goes back to the idea of stories Um, i am married to a data scientist so i have a healthy respect for data i love data i it's all way over my head the stuff that she does but i respect (laughs) it and i love it that said, data is not what I do. You know, I am more into stories. And if it comes down to the two, I will always advocate for choosing the stories instead. And so when we talk about journey and we talk about having the life as a journey, we are talking about it as a story that is unfolding. And you can tell different chapters of that. You can tell different parts of that and retell them. Data gives us this big, broad view. It's a lot of numbers, but that can turn into kind of a faceless multitude, you know, of of all those Mm. data points. Where am I in there? If you tell me there's 
13 million people doing XYZ. Well, which yeah. one of those am I? Which one of those are you? <laughs> like, I can't even wrap my head around those numbers. Yeah. But if you say, I was walking down the sidewalk the other day and a funny thing happened. And then you tell me a little anecdotal story about something that happened to you. I can connect to that because I've been down sidewalks. I understand that. So when you tell those stories, when you frame your journey that way, you create opportunities for connection, like interpersonal, mm -hmm. actual connection. And in those moments of connection, you can build relationships. And within those relationships are the moments where through getting to know each other, we can know ourselves better. We can support yeah. each other better and we can create safe places to live together. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're a nation, you know, a nation, uh, a race, sorry, a race of storytellers, you yeah. know, re regardless, you know, of what you tell yourself. I mean, it, by the nature of the self, you were a storyteller by telling yourself something, you know, and we also every single day like you said that example of just going yeah so i was just walking down the street and you'll never believe what i said saw or heard or whatever you know gossip in itself is a form of storytelling everybody tells stories we love stories there's a reason why you know like us as adults when we put the disney cartoons on for our kids we end up watching more of it than they do you know we love stories <laughs> there's, a, there's 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 that and i think it does connect us because it's really it, it creates a point of reference something that people can go right i get that i see that i experience that i've got empathy for that Maybe I've seen that or experienced something similar. And I do think it opens, like you said, so many possibilities for deeper, more meaningful relationships. And, and I think coming back to the way we live life on social media and stuff at the moment and in the world where everything has to be like boom, 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 like short, bang, anecdote, done. It's like I feel we lose something, a, a deep, deep, deep part of ourselves. When we're like, right, I'm just going to condense, you know, this amazing story that's spread over like 20 years into like two sentences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a I had a friend point out, not, this was a couple of months ago. She said that she doesn't like the posting style that you see on social media where it's a sentence, a break, a word, a break, a phrase, a break, a sentence, a break, another sentence, another break, a call to action. And then a sign off, like it, mm -hmm. it feels disjointed. Yeah. She said, you know, we, we read in paragraphs, right? We, yeah. we think in paragraphs often, especially if you're telling a story. So when you write that way, it's a little easier to feel connected to it. You get this kind of narrative flow where it's one thing connecting to the next, connecting to the next, as opposed to just several separate points that don't feel like they're connected. Mm. Yeah, coming back into the the stories, I think one of the things that I often hear people say is is the fact that they they've got nothing to share. They're reluctant to share their stories. They're like, who would possibly want to hear my story? You know what what have I got to say that anyone will care about? And I, I think a lot of that probably comes down to the whole comparison element of of what what we do as humans. I also think there's probably an element there of judgment, that fear of judgment. Um, for some people, maybe they're still carrying around that, you know, that kind of childhood trauma where you're like, shut up, 
be quiet. You're a child. We see, you know, and they're still playing that out in, in their adulthood. So, you know, for, for anybody that are reluctant to share their stories or to show up in, and honor who they are when their history and their stories and the knowledge that they've got, what, what would you say to them? Well, I would say to them to, you know, remember that point that I brought up about data where massive collections of data and data is useful, mm. but it's hard to connect with data on an individual level. However, when you tell your individual story, that's something that somebody else can connect to. If I am telling you, you know, the thing with a sidewalk, right? Whatever my story is, there's going to be things about it that are very unique. There are going to be things that are very special, that are individual. Well, we are all individuals. And when you tell a story like that, it opens a door for people to find those very specific points of connection, ways in which you did something exactly the way you did it, that I did, excuse me. You may have done something the way I did it, or you may have done something in a way that really reminded me of something about myself. And when you start to feel that, it creates a world in which people feel less alone. Yeah. And all of those numbers and all of the technology that makes us feel separated, you can overcome that and you can yeah. make us start to feel connected again. I love that because I think that's one of the biggest ironies of, of the world we live in, right? we've got access to all of this technology that allows us to connect. I mean, right, right now I'm here in the UK, you're in the States, you know, we've never sat and had a cup of coffee together, but you know, we've got to know each other via, via technology. And this is one of the things I love about, you know, the, the gifts, the privilege we have by having access to this. But I think the irony on the, on the flip side of this is even though we've got this connection, I feel like, as, as a race of humans, the level of loneliness, disconnection, mental health due to not being connected to people it has never been higher. And I, that's one of the things that I guess with storytelling helps to bridge that gap. Right. I mean, we're, we're at a crossroads, right? The technology has grown and grown and grown. And we now have social media and we have these phenomenal ways to connect it is driving disconnection at the same time because a lot of it is created in a way that's just meant to drive attention, but mm -hmm. not necessarily drive connection. So the crossroads is that we have to figure out how to keep this technology, value this technology, use it, but use it wisely. Yep. We need to find, because there are ways that we can use it to build relationships. That's what you were just pointing to is that, you know, yep. we can, we can make new friends and like we make, we can make friends on the other side of the world. And it's a great, <laughs> I love it. If we're careful, if we use the technology in the right ways, we can grow those relationships. We can build those relationships and they are real relationships. There's the temptation to take things as bite-sized snippets to just eat junk food, snack food in terms of yep. what we're consuming. But if we slow down back to being patient and being curious and being intentional, if we do all of those things, we can turn this stuff into, you know, legitimate nutrition so that our souls are not lonely. And if that sounds woo woo, take it as woo woo. It's fine. Things can be woo woo sometimes. <laughs> we need each other. We need connection. We can use the technology to build that. Oh, wow. Love that. I love that. And we do, we do, you know, we're a social race. There's, Absolutely. You know, you, Absolutely. 
there's no woo woo there, man. I mean, like no, in terms no. of the the energy, in terms of how we relate to each other, we are social people. Um, I just feel like, like you said, we're at a crossroads where it's kind of maybe replaced or has eroded. Certain social structures have, have kind of eroded in a lot of ways, and and people have got a little bit insular. I know I have, for sure, in some levels. And I, and I, I definitely think that the pandemic played a big role in that. I think because you were were inside all the time, you know, or or within your certain circle, and all of a sudden the world got very small. But on on the other hand, I echo your point. It also brought people together in in many new and interesting ways by using the technology. So it it, it is. It, it's a tough balancing act, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It is a tough balancing act. Uh, I had, um, I had this interesting experience. My wife and I did where, where we were living not long ago, where we lived in a, a small little town and we lived on a street that had lots of small houses with pretty nice front yards. And we like being outside. So we would spend a lot of time sitting out in the front yard. And this was just as the pandemic was kind of starting to slow down and it was okay to, pretty safely being in groups of people. We didn't see folks outside a lot though. Um, mm. We would see lots of closed doors, closed windows. And we had a conversation about how it seems like, at least in a lot of neighborhoods here in the United States, people go behind doors and they spend time on their devices. You know, they will watch TV. We sit on our computers. We use our tablets, our phones. But if you sit out in the front yard, and in our case, we're sitting out in the front yard, you know, watching my kids dig for worms or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, you get out there and you're just sitting, not doing much, you know, just kind of sitting and talking on the off chance that somebody else walked by on the street. If it was somebody we knew, a neighbor, we could stop and have these kind of spontaneous conversations. And when you don't have an environment where everybody's milling about in a space together, those spontaneous conversations are less likely to happen. Yeah. If we're all hiding behind closed doors, you know, we're not going to be talking to each other. So hopefully we can use the technology to kind of fight against that a little bit. I mean, if we're inside, hopefully we're at least talking to other people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I think that was one of the points that really jumped out at me um, when I was reading the Yohan Hari book. He, he explored the what's going on with kids at the moment, how... I don't know if I'm assuming it was probably the same for you when you was a kid, but it's just something I noticed the other week. I was just walking around the street and I was like, where are the kids? And when I was a kid, uh, I was out in the street, you know, I, I would literally get on my bicycle in nine o'clock, you know, whatever time of the day I got kicked out the house <laughs> and yeah, I was told to yeah. come back, you know, your lunch will be on the table at this time. Your dinner's on the table that time. And if you don't show up for it, it'll be in the dog. You know, right, and after, right. after that, it was like, <laughs> you go do whatever you do. And, and, and these days, you don't see that so much. I mean, because we apparently live in this really, really dangerous world. Um, even though, even though the, the data suggests that is far from the truth. Right, um, right. So, yeah, I'm totally with you on that, that being around people. So it is so important. Just, well. And the kids have got a, a well, my kids is maybe a misnomer. Young, young folks, right? I shouldn't yep. call them all kids. I'm talking about, you know, high school age and stuff yep. as well. Younger people have a real challenge ahead of them because they are going to have to figure out 
how to use the tech in ways that are good for them. Those of us who grew up with that background of not having a cell phone that can deliver you almost anything you want as soon as you pull it out of your pocket, you know, having yeah. a computer or a tablet that can take you anywhere on the web and you can find information, you can find entertainment and you can find it all without even moving. Mm. We didn't grow up with that. You know, that temptation wasn't all. there. That wasn't something we had to navigate. They're going to have to figure that out. And a lot of them are, I think, already on the way. Hopefully those of yeah, us who are sure. older can, can tell them things that will help, you know, without talking down to them. Right. Oh, for sure. I've definitely, things are going to start shifting. And I, I, I do believe that the relationship that people have and regardless of age will change with the tech for sure. Um, yeah. moving forwards, I think it, it needs to, I think it, it's definitely reaching a point where we're going to get to some sort of, some form of a tipping point with that. And I think that will happen sooner rather than later for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause no, it's already tipping. You know, we're seeing more and more talk about mental health and the importance of that. And a lot of that is coming out from this, you know, people, people are not healthy in their minds and their mm -hmm. emotions and their hearts. You know, people are, lonely, they're sad, they're feeling disconnected. And as that problem has been growing, I think more and more voices are jumping into the mix to say, hey, we have to do something about it. And here are some of the things that we can do. Sure. Sure. And I know uh, you're just about to launch a new, uh, a new uh, conversation uh, platform for people to have yeah. these kind of deep conversations called the, called the Tilted Bench. Don't yeah. try and try again, Ashley. Called the <laughs> Tilted Bench. There we go. We did all right. We we managed to go like the best part of forty minutes without me getting tongue tied. So that's impressive oh, that's going. Good, yeah. That is me that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so what what was the inspiration behind that? So I had a conversation with a brilliant marketer named Doug Lawson not long ago, and I was talking to him not as much about marketing because I wasn't far enough along in my own journey to know what to do with the marketing. But part of what I was talking about was trying to figure out what I wanted to focus on and how I wanted to go about it. And in the middle of that conversation, he suggested to me, well, why don't you run a podcast about something mm -hmm. you're interested in? Because then you have the hosting responsibilities, but you don't have to be the subject matter expert. You get the experts on and you talk to them about that. And it blew my mind. You know, I was like, oh, I no, I would have never thought about that. So, <laughs> so that sat in the back of my mind and percolated for a while. And then recently I've gotten into really enjoying watching people do LinkedIn live events. And I like video production. So the kind of technical aspects of it appeal to me too. Mm -hmm. And I've combined the two with that early interest I had in counseling that has kind of come back to the front for me. So the purpose of the live show is going to be to get coaches of varying sorts on because people need help in business. They need help in public speaking. They need help in confidence is a great example. They need help in you know just life in general. So all of these different yep. types of coaches, I'm going to try and get some of them on the show to talk about what they do, how they do it, what makes it work and why it's important. Love that. Love that. And where will people be able to watch and listen to that? So I'm going to stream it live on LinkedIn and YouTube. It'll be every Wednesday at uh, 12 noon Eastern time. Okay, perfect, perfect. So what I'll do is I'll put the uh, 
a link to your your LinkedIn and your YouTube profiles in the description. So uh, if this sounds like something you guys would like to explore, click those links, people. Please do. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So before we ride off into the sunset, I have one final question for you that I always ask our guests here on the show. And that is, what is your espresso shot of confidence for our awesome listeners? Well, this is going to fit in really well with a lot of what we've talked about. There is a great quote from Henry David Thoreau that says, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. For all of its promise, modern technology and social media threatens to drive us deeper and deeper into that quietness. Break that mold. We need each other and you often don't know who needs you. You might not even hear from those people, but they're out there and they need to hear from you. We need connection because it is going to make us feel safer. It is going to build connections with others. And that is going to build more confidence. So get out there and tell your story. Wow. I'm I'm kind of grinning like the Cheshire cat here. <laughs> I like <laughs> the Cheshire awesome. cat. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Because I think that's in a world, certainly like with the social media side of things in a world, which is driven by little hearts and likes and vanity metrics and stuff. I think it's people often lose sight of the fact that people are seeing it. People need to see it. People are getting impact on it. And I I know it can be disheartening when you don't actually get that awareness. you know, some people don't tell you that they've got something from it, but I think that comes down to that strong sense of self again, doesn't it? It does. That belief in yourself, the belief in your why, and the belief that you are making a difference by showing up. And that's enough. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. So thank you. Wow. I'm kind of oh, floating thank you, out Ashley. the window. It's a pleasure a being on here with you. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And off into the sunset, we ride. So uh, thank you very much to all the awesome listeners out there. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and watching this. And as always, don't forget to be awesome.